0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the We and Me podcast. This is Erica with you today. We wanted to do another We Reads episode for you. This will be a reading from our own blog, theweandme.com. And it's a post that a lot of people have been asking me in recent weeks if we are going to be reading. So here we are. This is the episode that people have been waiting for. This is the post that we did on grief DId on July 27th of 2018. As some of you know, we've dealt quite a bit with grief over the last few years and loss and death, so we wanted to put a trigger warning on this episode for those reasons, and we hope that you enjoy hearing this post in our own words. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Grief and dissociative identity disorder from the theweandme.com. This is a post I've had saved for nearly a year now. I can say with near certainty, I have had it written once already, but we scrapped and deleted the entire piece because it wasn't sitting right. There were things missing and too much fluff, which, for those of you who know me myself, you will understand why that was bothersome. I will not be discussing every loss, but at least one of us misses every individual within this post. I've come back to this title stored on my laptop countless times over recent months and even back to the end of the last year. I never could get myself to find the correct words, that is, until it hit me that there likely are not correct or incorrect words. I wasn't failing nor struggling, though, truth be told, parts of me are. It wasn't the shortcomings of my internal thesaurus or a lack of ability in stringing sentences together in a coherent manner. No, this was something more. Dark, sinister, consuming, a barrage of idiosyncrasies stumbling around my mind like cannon fire. Yet, I could not place a single coherent thought. That is, not until today. Grief can be a challenge. How those challenges influence us vary, yet the struggle and impact is ever-present in those of us who are left after a death or deaths. In recent years, we've come to know death intimately. I capitalize her name to show her the proper respect I believe she's earned, though I admit my mind bends more towards twisted musings. She has been ever-present. We've lost friends, pets, relatives, and family. The onslaught began over four years ago with the death of my grandmother, the only grandmother I have. Keeping up appearances is exhausting, but therapy has been beneficial in that I can now rebuke the idea of the other woman who, in a biological sense, is also a grandmother. Yet is so far from that she may escape even Dexter's grasp. He'd for certain need the devil's hand for assistance, if you believe in that sort of thing, to the topic at hand. My grandmother was taken from us via cancer. The all-encompassing C-word, The c-word I find most heinous, given its more substantial impacts on the living's well-being and inevitable lack thereof once death summons her to an individual or individuals. We were able to speak with her in length, my grandmother that is, not death, before she passed, something for which we will be forever thankful. I know I was quite switchy, but we were mostly silent at the beginning and let her speak. I know we expressed concern for her as well as our own well-being after she passed. She asked us for promises, some we will keep, and others we told her we would not. But without disappointing her, we did tell her why we would not be able to. We expressed to her what we had learned the year before at the Mayo Clinic and in our follow-up appointments. I disclosed to her my diagnoses and even the big one. I told her all of those missing pieces of my life will come together. I will work on it even though she would not be there to see the jigsaw, that is me, live in peace, and all of the other adjectives that depict a pleasant being. She was silent for several minutes and then seemed to let out a breath I hadn't picked up she had been holding. She said simply, I am glad some dumbass, by that she meant doctor, finally found the answers that fit and now you can begin to live. One reason we don't call ourselves survivors, but I now have the desire to live." We were married to Sean in her home in Chicago just under two weeks before her death came, and then all hell broke loose. That same year, we knew other losses, but were overwhelmed and consumed by avoidant behavior. It served its purpose, and we worked through some of it. Admittedly, we are still working on things, especially in regards to my grandmother. We miss and think of her daily. My mother-in-law passed not long after, and that was another blow and toll paid to death. Again, capital D. Then an uncle whom we were very close, but had lost contact with due to the unfortunate nature of relative relationships, or lack thereof, within the tangled mess of branches that hold our family tree. Losing my mother-in-law was, and still is, difficult. We visit her grave often, and specifically allow Jinx and another their time to grieve her. They were quite close for some time, but relationships die and things fester, so there was also a lot of hurt and anger surrounding this relationship. I'll keep some of those privacies still, but she too was taken by the seaward. word While in hospital, we were able to visit her that final week. We went there every day to sit and chat with her. It was clear she wasn't leaving, and she said as much to us, but kept up appearances for her family's sake. We had some wonderful chats, and I can't imagine any of us who had that final opportunity will ever forget them. She was a strong woman, and when final decisions were being made, my father-in-law and husband, other relatives too, seemed to look to us for assistance. Jinx did what she does and got to work, planning and putting together the funeral for the mother she lost, but never had enough time with. I don't want to get into every loss over our lifetime or the massacre of every life death has taken from us in recent years. But the final one we will be sharing with you is the loss of the first person we were tasked with protecting, my little brother. One of my earliest childhood memories is of my great-grandmother, I remember the sight of her, how she smelled, and every crease of her weathered face and hands that stemmed from a long life. She was in a nursing home, and my mother enjoyed visiting with her, most of the time. That was unless her mother was present, which, admittedly, wasn't often, but did occur on a handful of unpleasant, spite-riddled occasions. Pressing on. My great-grandmother was one of the kindest, most sincere women I had encountered, which at that point in our life was an uncomfortable surprise given who her relatives were and specifically who we knew her child to be. This woman we didn't have the opportunity to know better through life because she passed away when I was quite young, but I remember the smell of licorice and hard candies. I recall her warmth and her frail body wrapped around my tiny big-eyed frame. There was a massive discomfort with touch, and still is, but she felt safe. One of the smaller weak physicalities on any individual we've seen to date, and yet strength was there. Don't know her specific diagnoses, but do recall hearing she isn't quite there, i.e. dementia, perhaps. She always adored seeing me and, to my knowledge, always recognized me and even had recognition for my mother. My little brother was born early and remained in hospital for some time, but upon his release, we, our mother, and us, brought the new baby swaddled in clean linens to visit her. I recall she always brightened upon our visits... There are photos of us assisting her in holding the new bundle, and we cherish them, as we don't have many photos of her. I recall being in one of the nursing home's halls in a corner near the nurse's desk that held a few chairs when she teared up. She glanced around, gave a slight nod to those standing nearby, and in a hushed tone, she said, protect him, protect him from the monster. I recall the physical feeling of my eyes widening. I was instantly pulled from my body what I now know to be dissociation and watching this exchange from afar but clear as day my skin crawled I became nauseated and those words will forever be ingrained into my brain we failed her in a way and parts of me struggle with this deeply she was kind and loving towards us never a cruel word again not directed towards me at least and September last year that small bundle swaddled in linen died before he reached the age of 25 death came for him he lied to us. He lied by expressing countless times, I can't die, or, it's like I can't die, dude. The heavy implication of his unspoken words and our failings in helping him weigh heavy. His clear silence of, I've tried, still floats around my thoughts. After what we view as failed attempts, given conversations we had as adults, his own villains ran deep, and he thought himself an evil upon the world, never taking a good turn. Not even once. These later conversations we had with him were painful to think back on, as some of my parts believe they could have helped him or we should have tried harder. She wouldn't have let my dad try and try again. We had a method. We've helped others, but the one person we were tasked with keeping safe, we could not protect from his greatest danger, himself. He traveled quite a bit, and in the end he passed away from currently defined unknown causes in Florida with family. I am vastly aware that any relative that may one day stumble upon this post will hate it with unparalleled vengeance, but death is funny that way. She takes, yet also gives peace to the taken. He was a heroin addict, on and off in recovery. The hard life he lived perpetrated havoc on his very thin yet strong body. A difficult childhood full of secrets turned to a rebellious, angry teen and an inevitably fucked up adult life. Rehab never stuck long, and constant running and battling his own mind and people around him took him before he really was able to live. My parts spar with the constant guilty thoughts, and I can't imagine that will ever completely subside, but maybe one day it can become better. We were only a little over six years his elder and protected him through childhood to the best of our abilities, but as stated, we could not protect him from himself and his own mind, something some of us still try to decipher, but to no avail. Death and grief are two different monsters that play off of one another's woes, something they seemingly enjoy doing, as it is their purpose, after all. I know Toon has cried heavily onto the shoulder of our uncle. I returned to my parents' house with Sean, my husband, having just seen our new home with our realtor and after making the decision to put in the offer. We had spoken to my brother only days before about house hunting, and he sounded well, pleased for us in the way he was able. Unfortunately... As every tale such as this goes, it was the last time we spoke to him. I'm only pleased it was a short and normal, quote-unquote, sibling conversation. There was no wicked tongue fight from either side. It was simple, standard, enjoyable even. He always did better in Florida. For him, the environment was pleasant and felt more like home. Though I hazard the guess he never really felt that sensation of home anywhere, but amongst my parents and our younger sister. He enjoyed certain people, a chosen few, most of whom he met while in Florida. He chatted the night before with our uncle who lives down there, bid his good nights, and went to sleep, never to wake up. I do not know what his specific cause of death was, but I have no misgivings that heroin played a part, either directly or in that it wreaked havoc on his body and mind for so long that his flesh could no longer sustain him. My parts have struggled with anger, fear, fear of additional loss, anxiety of the next person close, either connection-based or by proximity, and even hatred. Hatred of so many things, and cast towards so many individuals within situations such as these. Trust has been broken all over again, and that is not something we often give again, if ever. I'd like to leave you with well wishes or hope, as we often do with our more difficult musings, but I have nothing to give you. Dear Reader, Thank you for sticking with this lengthy fulmination. I detest the sentiment of hold your whomever close because you don't know how long you'll have them. So I can't bring myself to say this. It is nonsensical to me, and I have no need for nonsense in my life. I have no but from my previous statement. Truly, I can't stand the sentiment. I can say grief is for the living, and only that is my envy of the dead. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the We and Me podcast. We appreciate you guys when you come back and give us a listen. Thank you to everyone who's subscribed to Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Anchor. You can download the Anchor app from the App Store and you can now support our podcast via Anchor. So you can do it with, I believe it's like a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month. You can continue supporting the work that we've been doing. It's really appreciated, guys, and once again... I apologize for this episode perhaps not being a very cheerful one, but I'm more of a person who likes to live with reality-based information. Grief and DID, that's a hard thing to process because it's its like you're experiencing the stages of grief simultaneously. It becomes very, very exhausting, and it's something that we actually still talk to with our therapist today. So thanks again for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. The music that you're about to hear is from sarasgoodbadluck.com It is her song, Repetitive, and a big shout-out to Sarah. You can find the links below in the description box. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you